worship. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, at the wedding, the Lord told him to take the pots and fill them up. And the statement was said, he saved the best for last. I feel like, amen, we're the best has been saved for last. Why? Because we're living in a time when the Lord has poured out the Holy Ghost. The Lord has given us His Spirit. The Lord has given us, amen, His best. Amen. How many is glad to have the Holy Ghost in your life tonight? Come on. It's the best. He saved the best. And I believe we're living in the last times. Amen, amen. Turn around, shake somebody's hand, tell them you're glad to see them tonight. We're so thankful for those that's gathered in. Thank you, thank you. Worship team, thank you for being here tonight. We are, uh, we are doubly blessed. Uh, not only do we have the missionaries from Poland here with us, but uh, we've got the evangelists still off the road here, amen, with us. And I'm going to ask Sister LaToya to stand and testify She's had a busy week. She's had a baby shower and a birthday. I'm not going to tell you how old she is, but she's pushing 50. Would you testify, sis? Good to have you here. Less than a month. Amen. Amen. Every time I mention the date, Brother Riddell says, and she always goes early. So it's probably be a little earlier, we're hoping. But we're so thankful tonight, amen, to have uh, Brother and Sister Adams with us. I'm going to ask them to go ahead and make their way toward the front here. Uh, I want to do something, though, church. I, you've got to be my witness, all right? Today is my dad's birthday. Did you find out where he's at? He's sick on his birthday. Yeah, he said he wasn't feeling good this morning, but I thought he'd be here. But anyway, we had some special plans for him. Go ahead and put that picture up. I want to see if you recognize which one's my dad. Uh, can't do it? Oh, I thought it was working. Can't get the pictures up. Oh, man. I got a picture of him, slim, I mean slim, it's when he was in the Army, uh, a military picture of him. And I was going to put that up there, and uh, Sister Adams had agreed to sing happy birthday to him in the Polish language. So, uh, you know, I was really, he, the Lord just must have, must have warned him because uh, I wanted to get him good. Stand with me all over the, this place tonight. Amen. We're going to turn this service over to them, and we're so... Oh, ushers, while you're standing... Ushers, I need some ushers to come forward here. I almost forgot one of the most important things. Amen. Giving. Giving. Amen. Thank you. We want to be a blessing. We sure do. And uh, amen. 
How many want to be a blessing? Amen. Good to have Brother Jerry Holton with us tonight also. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hold your offering in your hand today. Yeah, bring that up here. Hold your offering in your hand. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this offering. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity we have to give, God. We ask that you bless this offering, Lord God. We ask that you bless the Adams, God. We pray, God, that you just continue, God, to bless them, God, for the things that they're doing, Lord. I pray, Lord God, for every soul tonight that's here that has a desire to give. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. All right, march your offering up here. Remain standing tonight. I want you to just get ready to give Brother and Sister Adams a warm welcome tonight. Uh, is, do we have any pictures? Will they have anything on their part? In five minutes. Oh, he'll, he'll be able to stall five minutes. All right. All right. Put your hands together tonight. Amen. We're going to turn this over. Amen. Brother Tony Adams. Praise the Lord, everyone. You may be seated. It's so good to be here in Muncie, Indiana with that Heritage Apostolic. It's our honor. It's been a while since we've been here. In fact, since the last time I've been here, your bishop and his lovely wife actually came and, and became neighbors of us for a couple weeks and uh, lived uh, right, across, right across the way in the next building over and we're a tremendous blessing to the country of Poland, to the worship center. And we're very thankful for their friendship and their time and that they came. I told him I didn't know if he was, like, sent as a spy or or, or, or what was the reason. But, you know, he, they came. They, they loved our people, and our people loved them, and it was a fantastic time. And we're just grateful to be here with you all tonight. God is doing amazing things. Amen. It's great to be in the house of God, right? You could be someplace else tonight, and, and uh, I'm, sh I'm sure you had many other opportunities, but you chose to be here, so I give honor to you tonight for choosing to be in the presence of God, to be here with the kingdom of God. And I pray tonight that before you leave, you will be blessed, not by me, but by God. This is all about Jesus. Everything we do is about Jesus, everything. The reason we're here is Jesus, and, and uh, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So if we leave the same way we came in tonight, we have failed and we've missed an opportunity. God could do something miraculous in your life tonight. If you need a miracle in your life, if you need encouragement, if you need, if you need a healing spiritually, physically, mentally, you are in the right place because Jesus is here. Thank God. Thank you for the worship team that led us into the presence of God. And I know it's midweek, and I don't know what you expect at midweek. I know most people kind of ex have certain expectations of what midweek looks like, but I hope you will remove expectations. Just let God move tonight. Just let God have his way. So grateful to have my father-in-law here. I, I do not remember the last time we've been in service together, but I'm so glad he is here tonight. Honored to have him. And I'm so glad that my wife is traveling with me. She makes me look better. And uh, she covers up all my flaws because everybody looks at her. And she, she's amazing. My son is in Poland. He stayed back. 
and, and taking care of things. My daughter, she's, she's staying here. She got married and decided to live in the U.S., so we're praying about her soul. But we're, we're believing God. No, she's doing a great work for God. I'm excited about what God is doing in her life. And uh, But I want, before we go any further, I want my wife to come. See, God has positioned uh, the worship center, has positioned the ministry in Krakow, Poland, and for such a time as this. And, and uh, we're going to tell you a lot about all the things that God is doing. But one thing to let you know is, is we are positioned only two and a half hours from the Ukrainian border. And so we've been right in the middle of a, of a crazy world going on right now. And a lot of hurting people, but through it, God is doing amazing things. So I want my wife to share whatever's on her heart. Praise the Lord, everyone. It's so good to be in God's house. It's good to be in his presence. And I'm so thankful for all that <laughs> all that he's doing. He's doing a tremendous work in the country of Poland. And I'm just humbled and I'm honored and blessed to be a part of the revival that is there in Eastern Europe. God is pouring out his spirit, and it's an exciting time to be serving him, and I'm thankful for that, amen. God has done a tremendous work in the gospel community that I'm a part of, and uh, we baptized our first choir member just this year. Yes, you can praise him for that. <clears throat> We're so excited about that. He's been doing great things. Um, in 2021, my husband told the church that he was like, God has laid on my heart, and this year we are going to have a theme, and the theme will be love, serve, and grow. And we were going to love people, we were going to love God, we were going to serve God, and we were going to serve people, and we were going to, he was going to grow the church. We didn't know how all of it would actually look like <laughs> come the end of the year. You know, God has a plan. We have our plans, but God's plan is so much better. God's, his path is so much clearer. And in 2022, February the 23rd, war broke out there in Ukraine. And we knew God had spoke to us, and we knew we had to be his hands and feet. We had to do something. We couldn't just stand idle being two and a half hours from the border and so many flooding across the border there, we knew that we had to open our hearts and open our church and our homes to, to what God had planned because we had been learning about loving, serving, and growing, and he was going to put it to the test. <laughs> and um, I'm, we cleared out our worship center, and in the middle of it stood a big pile of mattresses and uh, pillows and blankets, soaps, food, Things that, and I stood there and I looked at it and I said, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before. I don't know how we're going to do this. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit. He leads and he guides us. We begin to put out the mattresses and make a refugee center right there in our church. And as we begin to put out the mattresses and make a place to sleep for people, we begin to pray over those beds. We would began to pray over those things and we prayed that as soon as they would enter the doors they would feel the presence of the Lord that they would feel peace and that they would feel his love and that he would wrap his arms around them and he sure did he did exactly that we went to the border and we got our first refugees there at the border um, and we brought them back and two days later we had them one well, one night later I think it was we had them sleeping there in the worship center. We didn't have a shower, so we were taking them to homes, letting them shower. You see, they were traveling. When they left their home in Ukraine, they grabbed all the important things, you know, like we do. You know, well, we better take this, take this, take this. And so we're pulling our luggage along and weighing us down. But as they got to the border, they realized a lot of this stuff wasn't important at that time. They began to let go of some things because some of them had walked 16 hours. Some had walked 10, 6 hours just to get across. Some had been traveling for 3 or 4 days to even walk 16 hours. It was quite a, a shock for them. They left their husbands, their grandfathers, their fathers, their brothers, their sons at the border, and they came to us in shock. And God uh, began to do a beautiful work in their life. And we opened up and we started feeding them. And about a month into the refugee center, we get a call for a young lady 
Um, she was 18 years old. She had a four-month-old baby, and she needed a place to stay. So we were like, of course, you know, bring her our way. We have bed at the, at the time. And uh, we began to help her. She came strung out on drugs. She was just a little tiny thing. She didn't know how to care for her baby. Matter of fact, she was, we told her, we said, have you fed Timor today? She said, he ate this morning, and it was late that evening. And we said, you've only fed him once? She said, well, doesn't he only need to eat once? And we were like, do you eat once? <laughs> so it was just a beautiful time to watch her become a mother that, you know, she didn't know how to be a mother. Because you see, when she was at the age of 16, her mother dropped her and her three siblings off at the orphanage there in Ukraine. And her three siblings were placed somewhere else in the country of Poland. And God is um, had a a plan for those three girls for a family in the USA, but they're still there and we're still trying to work together. About about a month into Zhenya being with us, she says, Rhonda, I think I want my mom to come. And I was like, okay, well, we don't know how that's going to look. <laughs> what does that look like? Her mom was in Ukraine, kind of stuck there in the area that she lived in. She couldn't get out. And, um, and we were like, well, let's start, let's pray. Let's see what God wants. You know, we didn't know what that would look like for them. We didn't know the past. We, but we know God had a plan. And so we were able to go in, and we had a young man that was able to go evacuate her and bring her to the church. And the beautiful, there was a, such a beautiful reunion of her and her mother. It had been so many years. And the, to watch the forgiveness take place there in the worship center, it was a beautiful thing. And like God always does having his plan, I stand here today to testify to you about three, four weeks ago now, we baptized that mother in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Many years ago, we were promised a revival there in the city of Krakow, that it would have a ripple effect throughout the whole Eastern Europe. And I stand here today testifying to you that it is taking place. God is pouring out his spirit. We give him all the glory for it. We give him all the honor for it because he is worthy of all of that. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. So the first photo you've seen was our worship center. You can go back to that one. Start there. We'll, give, we'll back up a little bit. So God gave us this beautiful place, and we launched the worship center the first church in the city of Krakow three years ago in Easter. Easter. Easter Sunday, three years ago, so the Easter Sunday 2019, we held our first service. We'd been working in Poland, and, and God had been blessing gospel communities, different doors, different cities, that we'd had Bible studies and made contacts and developed relationships, and, and that had been going on for nine years, and, and now God was planning a church, and, and we had a, a group of people that were a great, strong sold out group of people but God had positioned them and organized them because we had Polish and we had Americans and we had we had a family from uh, Belarus and then we had a family from Ukraine and and we had uh, English language and Polish language and Russian and Ukrainian and and French and Hungarian these were all in our in our church and we um, we began to to, to plant and to worship and to gather every Sunday. And, and God blessed, God blessed. And we were excited about the future. And uh, 2019, we were running somewhere around 17 people at the time, maybe 20. And God was blessing, and we've seen uh, God move in, in, in a mighty way. And uh, as we went into 2021, March 2021, we know what happened in the world. Then, or March 2020, actually, sorry, I get all turned around. March 2020, you were there in 2019, right? Yeah, so uh, actually Bishop was there when we needed extra classroom space, and we were able to m make that agreement, had to change uh, the agreements all around, and, and uh, asked uh, Bishop was able to counsel us and give us some advice on that. But God bless, we were able to get those rooms, and they're active and being used right now, and and uh, so we come to March 2020. We're actually here in the United States. We're here for the missions conference in Bloomington. 
and we know what happens that every the world shuts down goes into pandemic and and we all go through this craziest time in the world and um same thing in Poland, but luckily in Poland, starting in June, we were able to start having live services again because we had our space in our building, but we could count all the square meters in our building, and then so many people per square meter we could have in our building. So even though we didn't have all the space, every, all the other offices in our building were empty on Sunday, so we could count all the space. We'd open up our doors and begin to have worship, and God blessed, and we've seen God literally bring people off the street into the worship center and we've seen God begin to move on people and so as we come through 2020 we enter into 2021 God gives us this mission to love and to serve and to grow and and we've seen God doing the work and and now through a pandemic we saw God multiply the church see when everything else or the denominal world and churches around the world were decreasing and and people were stopping going to church because of the pandemic, God grew our church. So as we came into 2021, we went from 17 to 20 to 35 to 40 on Sunday service. We needed the classroom space very badly. God was blessing. God was opening doors. People were coming and people were falling in love with God and growing closer to God. And we've seen God begin to move in so many different ways. And so we were super excited about 2022. We came in and we, as my wife said, the war breaks out. And on that Friday, I take a, take a couple people in a few cars. We go up and pick our first refugees up. See, I had been in Ukraine. I was actually standing in a pulpit on February 7th of that year of 2022. I was standing in Kiev, Ukraine, in the church there. They were having a conference, and I was preaching for my friend. The Russian army was a few hundred miles across the border in Belarus. And uh, he was telling me it's safe, so I went ahead and go, went with my son, and we took a young man from our church who's from Kiev, and, and uh, we went there, had a fantastic conference, and as it was closing, I, I pulled my friend who's the pastor aside, I said, well, what's going to happen? And he said, he said, nothing's going to happen. I said, well, if it does, our church is here to support you. We're going to do whatever we can to help your church, your people, your family. So war breaks out, it's, it's Wednesday night in, in Poland. I wake up at 5 a.m. on Thursday morning. I call him, and bombs are flying. You, he can hear them. He can feel them. His house is shaking. Uh, his family, his brother's family, his mom and dad are all gathered together in his home, and they're there praying in protection and seeking guidance, and, and that was their life for the next couple of days. I talked to him multiple times throughout the day, and he said, we can't leave. God has not released us to leave. God has not released us to leave. I said, so we're going to do whatever we can to help. And we felt like God had called us to help be the hands and feet of Jesus. And we had people streaming across the border. People were dying waiting in line to cross the border, literally. Husbands and wives were being separated because normally husbands cannot cross. If you're 18 to 60 years old and you, didn't have, you only have two or, or less children, you're not allowed to leave the country. So, it, but there were some families that were national citizens, and because they weren't actually Ukrainian, they were allowed to leave. But at the borders, men got separated into a separate. So there were two or three days when, when some people, husbands and wives, were separated, crossing three days apart, not having any contact with anybody. We reunited a couple. God was doing a work, and we didn't know what we were doing. This is our church, actually. You see the picture there? That's our platform. The bins are organized at this point, and uh, the mattresses look good at this point. And, uh, but our church was filled with 25 to 30 people every night. For about two months, we didn't lock the doors to our church building. 24 hours, seven days a week, someone was there volunteering, keeping the place open. We had calls because we would get calls in the middle of the night. Mother with a daughter or two kids that needed a place to stay didn't have any place to sleep. We didn't know how long they would, they would need. Some needed a day. Some needed two weeks. Some weren't leaving Krakow and needed to reestablish their life. And, and so we opened it up to whoever as long as we had space. So all night long, we would get phone calls, emergency phone calls. Can you take this couple? Can you take this elderly couple? Can you take these, these children? And so we kept it open. And my wife would spend the night. I would spend the night. Brock, different volunteers would take nights. And so it never closed. In fact, when we 
moved on from and, and transitioned, we, I had to look for the keys. I didn't know where the keys were. We didn't lock the place. We kept it open, and God was blessing. Now, it was interesting, and it was difficult, because when you open yourself up to the will of God and the call of God, it's not always easy. It's not easy. It's difficult. It's difficult to open your church up to people. See, we're comfortable tonight. We know, you, probably you know everyone or are acquainted with everyone in the building, you know, so it's easy to worship. But what if half your church you never met before? What if half the people in your worship have never been to church before? Because this was our church. So if you go to the picture number two, hopefully I numbered them correctly. This is what our church looked like on Sunday morning. See, we still had to have church, so we picked up all the beds and we stacked them in the corner on one side. We took up all the bins. We put them in the back. We pulled back out the piano. And right in the middle of a refugee center that was still our church, we had worship. You had 25 people waking up, kids running everywhere. People were getting breakfast still. You know, we were in their home. So, you know, imagine preaching or having a, a quiet time with God in the moment of the service. You know how you get those points. And someone decides that's the best time for them to make their coffee. So we grind coffee. Our coffee machines are, you know, grinding and, and it's making noise. And someone else decides they're going to cook breakfast, so they're frying an egg. And, and you're worshiping in that. Because in our church, we have just one big room. So uh, your pastor's been there. We have this big space. And in the back is the kitchen and a setting area. So, you know, the kitchen's in our worship center. It's in the auditorium. And so people are cooking and people are eating breakfast and feeding their kids. And we're worshiping God. And God moves. See, God doesn't matter how you worship him or what situation. He just, he just accepts worship. God moved. God continued to move. We knew there would be challenges. You can show the next picture also. We knew there would be challenges. Our, our church was struggling. It didn't feel right. How do you worship with so many people you don't know? It's awkward. It's, it's a little off. It's a little strange. But we kept worshiping. We kept loving. We kept praying, God, help me to love. Help me to be your hands and feet. Our, our, our translation, the guy on the right here, his name is Yarek. He's our Polish translator. Great guy. Translates in Polish. I speak, he speaks. That's normal. But now we have half the room filled with Russian speakers or Ukrainian speakers. And so the guy on the left, and they match today for some reason, the guy on the left is from Minsk, Belarus. He translates into Russian. So I would speak, Yarek would speak, and then we'd have Russian translation, and then we do it again. Imagine setting, waiting for your language to come around. You see, God was still blessing. God blesses when you're willing to sacrifice, when you're willing to lay it all on the line for souls. God will bless. It won't be easy. It'll be frustrating at times. It'll be difficult to worship. But when you're willing to just lay it all on the line, God will bless. Holding nothing back, we just threw open their doors and loved people and opened their door to people. God dealt with my heart from the beginning of this war. I, didn't, I never, God was always dealing with me that this would not be a short situation. This was going to be something that needed a long-term situation. Now, we had thousands upon thousands of people flooding across the border every day at the beginning. So we had to move very quickly to help as many people as we can. In fact, in that center, we helped somewhere around 250 to 300 people, processed them through, fed them, uh, clothe them and then help them get to wherever they were heading, maybe family or friend in another country or, or to a more permanent housing situation. Whatever that was, we, we helped people and processed people through. And, and, uh, but I knew we needed a long-term situation. In fact, yesterday, yesterday or today? Today, the 24th? I get lost on my time. So today... Ukraine celebrated their independence. It was Independence Day in the nation of Ukraine. You may have seen it in the news or someone tells you about it. But it also marked six months from the beginning of this war that everybody thought would be two weeks or three weeks long. People are still coming across the borders. People's homes are still being destroyed. I get messages all the time. From so I just got a message last week from a lady that's staying with us. She's been with us for over four months. And her home where her mother-in-law lived was bombed and shelled and it, it, it was destroyed. There's nothing for her to go back to. This is normal life for people. So God began to deal with my heart. 
I knew there was a better solution. So I began to dream a little bit, began to pray a little bit, or a whole lot, actually. And across the street from my flat, on my balcony, I stare at this next building. This is a hotel that sits across the street from my flat. In fact, in the mirror, in the, in the reflection, the glass of this building is actually, you can see where I live. You can see my house. And I began to stare at it, and it's been bankrupt and empty since before the pandemic. It, it hasn't been in operation, and it, it already began during through the bankruptcy administration. They started taking apart the hotel. So the conference space was now retail space. Kitchens and restaurants had changed into different offices and retail, and, and there was a, just only about three blocks of rooms still left and a reception area. So I called the administrator, called the number on the thing, and said, what does it cost to rent? You know, just rent the whole space. How can I rent this block and that, break it down block by block, three blocks of room, 24, 27, and 27. And he said, he broke down the price. I want all inclusive. And then what it would cost to rent for six months? Because I was hoping and everybody's hoping six months would be enough. We know now that six months is not even close to enough. But he gave me that price for each block of rooms and for the first block, second block, third block. He said, well, how's this sound? I said, sounds I guess good. He says, Do you, well, is this price doable? I said, I have no clue. I don't have the money. I don't know if it's doable or not. I said, but I'll try. I'll do what I can. I'll see. Uh, give, me, give, me, give me a couple days. We'll see what, what we can do. Begin to pray, and God began to provide. And he provided large donations from outside sources. We're not talking about apostolic people, but people that aren't apostolic people that, that, that God had placed in our path that, that had funds and finances, businessmen, a business, apostolic businessman from California gave a large sum of money. We had, we had uh, uh, former vice presidents give uh, large donations. I don't know these people, but God does. God does, and within a short period of time, we raised $60,000, and we rented the first wing for six months. That was combined with giving from churches all over the United States through the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ. Other organizations came involved, other humanitarian organizations. We got that first block of rooms, and while we're preparing that, we're still operating the worship center as a refugee center, and these two ladies walk in off the street. I didn't know them from anywhere, never met them from my life. They come in and said, hey, we want to volunteer. I said, okay, I understand you're not Polish, you're not from Europe, I can tell by your accent, where are you from? And said, we're from up, upper part of Michigan. I said, well, where did you hear about it? Somebody in Oregon told us this was a good place to volunteer. And we were here to help. These ladies weren't apostolic. They, one was a Buddhist, the other didn't confess any sort of faith. And they began to volunteer. They wanted to see the hotel. I took them to the hotel. Not this picture, please. Uh, save that one for me. You can continue with the hotel. Thank you. Uh, they uh, wanted to see the hotel because they knew we were working on it. And I took them and showed them the hotel. They said, well, let us see what we can do. So their little community in Michigan starts to go fund me, and they raised $80,000 for the second hot group of rooms. So the first group of rooms, we moved 45 people into the hotel in the first group of rooms on April 27th. They began to live there. We took one room, converted it into a, a community kitchen so they all can cook their own food. We have food delivered there twice a week, and we provide food and, and different services. We, we want to provide everything for transition to life. Most of these people are never going back. There's nothing to go back to. So we're helping them find jobs. We're helping them get registered. Uh, for all the, the funding that the government offers. We're helping them with Polish lessons so they can get better jobs. And, and then we're providing medical services. And Because right now in our, we have the full first floor. So right there where it says restaurant, that whole floor is ours now, that top floor. We're renting it. We just extended the contract to till, till the end of April of next year. God has provided those fundings. We currently have over 110 guests from Ukraine staying with us in that hotel. 
that are fed and provided for and cared for and loved. And God's, we're loving them and people are loving them and, and our volunteers are loving them. And, and we're just, God's doing great things. We currently have somewhere, I think I, I've lost count, somewhere around 58 children, I think is the number. Because uh, we keep having children. We had two moms that have children since uh, in the last few weeks. So we have from the ages of five, two days old, all the way up to 18, we have 57 children that are staying in the hotel. And, uh, and God's blessing. See, what God begins to do, when you begin to love people, it, that's what Jesus told us to do is love God, love people. And, and he didn't say to love who you want to love. He didn't give you options on, on that. He said just love them. And, and the kind of love that he describes, see, in, in 2 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, it says something about faith, hope, and charity, right? And and uh, and now the bideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Now, the funny thing is about that scripture is the word charity, if you look at it, actually the Greek is agape, which we know to be love. So it's a, a benevolent love. It's a love that gives without the expectation of return. It's a love that cares without the expectation of a thank you or and a pat on the back or an appreciation. It's a, it's a love that reaches out to those who, who can't afford to take care of themselves, and yet you go spend some time with them and take them to lunch or bring them groceries or, or buy coffee for that one person in work that no one else likes or no one else cares about or don't want it because they're mean and they, they, no one wants to be around them. Why don't you do so? That's the kind of love that does something nice for them. See, I believe this church, I believe all churches, we wouldn't have room and space if we would truly love the way Jesus intended for us to love. If we truly were the love, and I'm not talking about human love, because human love doesn't get the job done. Human love fails. Human love makes mistakes. I'm talking about a supernatural love of God that comes from being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the way you can love an enemy. That's how you can love your neighbor that you don't know. That's how you love the homeless person on the street. That's how you care is through the love of Jesus Christ. I challenge you, I'm not reading it today. Read Matthew 25. Read the whole chapter, but read pay attention to the last verse when it's talking about getting to heaven. And the people that didn't love, the people that didn't care for the hungry and the thirsty and those that are in prison and, and sick, those that didn't care, even though they knew who Jesus was, they weren't allowed into heaven because they didn't care. Do, you, do we care today? When you love people, you love them no matter what. We love them whether they were going to come to our church or not. We love them wherever they're going. What, whatever. We've had people take advantage of us. True love, people will take advantage of us. True love cost Jesus Christ his life. Cost, us, cost him his life, you know, and we do not have the right, just because we have this apostolic truth, we do not have the right to decide who deserves to be loved or not. That's not up to me and you. You see them on the street, they deserve the love of God. Let me, let me even shock you a little bit more. Maybe you didn't know that Jesus Christ died for the atheist. He died for the person that will never step foot in this church, that turns their back on him, will never call out his name, may never come through there, but he still died for them. And they deserve still to know that he loves them. See, what God is doing here, what God is doing is an amazing thing because what has happened now is now every Wednesday we have Bible study. In the hotel. We have about 30 attending Bible study every Wednesday in the hotel. Now, Pastor, I just added more room because we need a nursery for zero to four year olds. We need more space for classroom. We need a youth classroom. I just signed it, just added two more spaces, but that's still not enough because we are running almost 80 in service every Sunday. It's multiplication. It's not addition. It's when you get a hold of a move of God. See, revival is waiting on us. Revival is waiting on us. God is waiting on us to be ready to love people that he sends to us, to care for those that walk through the door. God has a revival just waiting to give you. Are we ready to receive the revival? 
Are we willing to do what it takes to sacrifice, to lay our lives on the line for the cause of Christ? Are we willing to prepare for revival? He will not send revival if we are not prepared for revival. God's blessing. Go up. I want to show you one of the family. We're going to pray for a second. Go to that next picture. That can throw it up. Right there in the front is a girl named Nastia. She just two days ago gave birth to her first child. She's staying in the hotel by herself. But the lady behind her, her name's Tatiana. Tatiana is there with her mother and her 11-year-old daughter. That's, a, that's their family. They're staying in the room. Yeah. Tatiana is full of cancer, and she needs a miracle. She goes to, she goes for chemo every week. We drive her to chemo. She gets special treatment every week, and it's not going well. Doctors don't give much hope, but I know the great physician. I know a God who's a healer. Can we take a moment? We pray for Tatiana. Would you do that with me? Can we just pray specifically for healing for her body? That cancer will be removed. That healing virtue will flow in Jesus' name, God. I pray for Tatiana. God, I pray right now for her family. I pray for peace to go into her hotel room right now. I pray for peace to go into that room. But right now, I pray for healing virtue, God, to flow through and begin to touch her body. Begin to remove all cancer, to begin to remove all fear, Lord Jesus. I pray right now to God that you do a complete work. Do a complete work, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tatiana and her mother are one of the one of the people that attend our weekly Bible study and they're faithful to Sunday worship. Right before I left, go to the next picture. This is what God is doing. Yeah, stay right here. So let me tell you what God is doing in the last six months. That's different than the previous 12 years. See, I've been in Poland for 12 years. We have been in Poland for 12 years working, doing the work of the Lord, making contact. We, we didn't baptize anybody in Poland for six years. Our first six years in Poland. Now, most people would have probably given up, and if people really knew that, they probably would stop supporting maybe. I don't know. It was a fight, fight breaking ground, trying to establish the work of God. In six years, we we baptized, after six years, we baptized this family, the Swom family, Eva and Shishak Swom, baptized them. They lived two and a half hours from the church in Krakow. We were able to baptize them in their home. And God did tremendous work in their home, still doing tremendous work. They drive two and a half hours every Sunday to be in church. Because it's the closest apostolic church to them. God began to bless, and he's blessed. And I told you about the numbers and how God has put together our church. But in the first 12 years, we baptized 11 people. In our first 12 years in Poland, 11 people. Thanking God for that. I think this mic's going dead. Praising God for that because that's revival. That's revival. 12 souls in Europe's a big deal. It's not like India and Africa. I'm thankful for all those missionaries that are called to those places. Thankful he didn't call me. I'm glad he called me to the beautiful city of Krakow. But he was breaking through. He was breaking up some hard ground for 12 years. God was breaking down walls and tearing down tradition and mindsets and opening hearts and lives. We've seen him plant a church now. But here's what God has done. Show the next picture. Sound team's doing amazing. Thank you, media and sound. Right there is a, on that platform right now is 10 people, 10 ladies and one son. Oh, he's not up there. Never mind. That was 10 people that we baptized in Jesus' name in the last six weeks I was in Poland. We baptized 10 in Jesus' name from the hotel. That's a work of God because that Sunday we baptized another young man from our church. That makes 11 in the last six weeks I was there in Poland. God multiplied what we'd done in the previous 12 years. That's God. That's not me. That's not Rhonda. That's a work of God. That's miracle signs and wonders. That's supernatural move of God. 
Yeah, I don't know why I'm here. I want to be there. But God has a plan. My wife would come. God has a plan. He's continuing to send the work. He's doing miracles, signs, and wonders and saving souls all along the process. There's hungry souls. There's hungry souls. Now our church is too small for what God has sent us. And I'm thankful for that. Before it swallowed us up when you were there, Bishop, now it's too small. And, and so God has given me another dream. And so I went to the administrator of the building right before I left. I said, so how much is it going to cost to buy this hotel? Why not? Why not? It's God. It's God. There's some testimonies I can't tell you live. If you want to see me after service, I can, I can share it with you. But God has sent billionaires to walk through that hotel. Billionaires. God has the money. I don't. I don't hang out with billionaires. If any of you hang out with billionaires, let's talk after service. I need to, we need to connect. But I do hang out with a God who has a cattle on a thousand hills. I do hang out with a God who knows where the money is and the funding is. See, our church now is too small. God has made it too small. So let's just grow bigger. I don't know how God does it does it and we continue to walk by faith and we love people see this is really all it comes down to I believe in this day and hour we live in I understand miracles and I believe in miracles and I'm all about miracles pastor and I know in the book of Acts the miracles drew the crowds when miracles happen people come and it feels and that was, that was revival but I, I I don't know maybe, maybe I'm wrong and he can correct me if but it doesn't seem like miracles have that effect on people anymore. There's been too many fake miracle workers, and everybody's a skeptic now. Everybody's a everybody's a doctor from Google, and, and everybody knows that oh, that happened because of this, and that really wasn't a miracle. That really wasn't a, that was just coincidence or something medical happening. They don't they don't believe in the miracle. They're not drawn to that. But here's what I believe in. When I landed in this country and I, I, I felt different, I talked to my wife when we were driving through. I said, the U.S. feels different right now. I felt different than I ever felt before. It's a spiritual darkness that's here. This I'd never felt anything like it in the United States. And I began to understand that I believe what will draw people now more than miracles. And I could be wrong if people can correct me. I believe what people are looking for, searching for, is the love of God. See, it's the love of God that casts out fear. Fear is the basis for depression and anxiety and all these things that we're, we're fighting mentally. It comes from fear. And if we really have the love of God, it would just move through and, and just wipe all that clean bringing behind it and with it peace and love and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I believe that the church, if us as individuals would learn to be love, to be this supernatural love of God, that this church would flow with supernatural love of God, that you would never have to invite anybody to church. You never have to invite anybody to Bible study because they would ask you for it. Because when they come in contact with a love that's supernatural, they are looking for it. And so they ask, where's that come from? Where's that at? Where, how do I get a hold of that? What makes you do that? Why did you buy me lunch? Why are you nice to me? Why are you kind to me? See, it's the love of God that causes the hardest hearts to melt. Fear departs and darkness has to separate because the love is the light of God. Your pews, you have to get more chairs. If you would become the love of God to this world, you would, the chairs are not enough. 
place doesn't have enough space. You'd have to look to build and expand. You're saying, how are you talking about that? I'm saying, I know it because I've seen it and I believe it's for our world today. The love of God can supernaturally change the hardest hearts. I've been too long, but I want to leave the scripture with you. If you're here tonight and you're battling fear, depression, or anxiety, I'm, we're going to pray in a minute. We're going to just ask the love of God just to sweep into your life and remove all of that. If you've never experienced the infilling of the power of the Holy Spirit, if you've never been baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, you're in the right place because there are experiences like no other. It's where you become, you come in personal contact with this love that I'm talking about. And for those of us that are filled with the Spirit, we're walking in this, and we know, then I challenge you to find the love of God like never before and allow it to just baptize you afresh, flow from you. See, because here's the world state. In Acts chapter 17, verse number 25, Paul says, Neither is worship with man's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth all to all life and breath and all things. And he hath made one blood all nations of men to dwell in all the face of the earth. And he hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. I'm going to stop there. I want you to understand what this is saying. Paul's saying he doesn't need your hands of worship. He loves them. He doesn't have to have them. And he's always been working in your life. He's always been designing. He's been setting up a plan. He knew you would be here tonight. He knew where you would live. He knew your housing. He knew your, where you work. Because he's always been kind of there. Whether you knew it or not, whether you're walking with him, God's always been there. Because if you go on to read, it says, it says the hope is that they should seek the Lord. If happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from us, every one of us. See, Paul says, he's supposed to describe me as a blind man in darkness, just searching, seeking for the right door. Have you ever been in darkness, in complete darkness, and you have to reach, you're feeling around. I'm trying to feel for that door, that, that light switch, that door handle. You're, you're just feeling around. And that's what Paul's describing. He says people in the world are out there in utter darkness. And they're feeling around. He's hoping that they'll reach out for him because all the time, he's right there. See, in your darkest time, God's there. Just hoping you'll reach out. Just hoping you'll reach to him and feel his love and seek for his love. Just hoping that you will wander around in your darkness knowing that he's right there. If you feel lost today, if you feel dark today, if you feel like no one's there, I invite you just to look in the Spirit, begin to feel around. Jesus is there. He's always been there. He's always been there, hoping that you will reach out to Him, hoping that you will love Him, hoping that you will seek Him because He died for you. It's normal for Wednesday, and I've been too long, so I apologize to everyone. But if we could just stand for a moment in this place, I want us to pray. And I don't, I don't know where you find yourself today. If you want to be used by God, if you want to be, if you want to be usable for revival, then pray that God will teach you to love people and see people as He sees people. 